0: so great to have you all here. I am your host, Laura Reeves. I have a couple items for the good of the order, and today we've got some really exciting stuff. And case you haven't heard, in the last year, we launched the new exclusive perk for our patrons. That's the Pure Pep Talk. It's a weekly text message with an upbeat, fun, educational tidbit. A lot of times it's a link to an old archived podcast for you guys, you can sign up for the patrons group so that you can get your pep talk. Everybody needs a pep talk every week, right? You can get that for as little as, okay, I'm going to say $5 a month and Natalie's going to yell at me again. But I'm saying no matter what, it's less than a fancy coffee drink for a month. If you haven't submitted your quest for the Pure Dog Talk patrons badge, if you are a patron, put in your request for the badge. Check your email. Natalie sent those out a couple of weeks ago. Always remember the more support you give, the more access you get. So there's that. Our All Access Patrons group, for those of you who are not aware, is Amaze Balls. We have judges and breeders and experts and exhibitors enthusiasts. And everybody there has the same goal, you guys. Your passion, that's our purpose. So check it out on the website, puredogtalk.com backslash patron. Okay. We're talking about raising our puppies. And it's the puppy time of year everybody's either had a litter or about to have a litter. If you haven't, you're gonna. And so I really think it's important that people be able to have some ideas, have some goals, have some things that they can aim for. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So one of the things that I have been trying to get accomplished for like, I don't know, two years now, is to put together our list are what Stacy and I call the Yaya Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants collection of whelping supplies. And this is something that we use, that we have shared with others, and it's what everybody should have in their own personal whelping kits. And we've got this broken down into absolute non-negotiables and some of the extras that we've found useful in a variety of situations over the years. This is the pure dog talk whelping list. And I want to go through each one of the pieces of this because each one of them is really, really important. And then we can follow that up with some early neurological stimulation and some other stuff that we can discuss. So the first thing on our list is a whelping box. I mean, this might seem a little obvo to people, right? You got to have a place to put your puppies, and your whelping box is hundred percent going to depend on what breed of dog you have and how many puppies you're expecting. And my whelping box for the pug litter is literally a three by three raised pen that I put the mom in with the puppies every hour or two. That's one thing. For my litter of 14 German wire haired pointers, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> In recent years people have decried the use of the swimming pool as a terrible backyard breeder thing. I frankly don't agree with that. It's cheap, it's easy, it's 100% able to be disinfected. It gives so you don't actually need pig rails. I have never ever ever had a bitch lay on a puppy and kill it in one of the plastic Kitty waiting pools that we use. I can buy them at Walmart for ten dollars a whack, even in December. If you want to spend the big dollars and get a Joan Art or a any one of the various and sundry super fabulous, gorgeous whelping box systems that exist, more power to you. I'm not going to tell you not to. All I'm going to say is that your whelping box needs to have sufficient room for your bitch to be able to be away from the heat source, but still close enough for the puppies to get to her. It is gonna depend, as I said, how large is your female? How large is your litter? That will depend how large your box is. For the first couple weeks, everybody's gonna be in the box. And in some breeds, it's gonna be a lot longer than that. But you need to also then prepare to have a system whereby the mom can leave the box, leave the puppies and go back and forth so that she can nurse them, but still have some time to get away from them, all those sort of things. So a lot of thought needs to be put into your whelping box. Number one priority for your whelping box, in addition to the size, is the ability to disinfect it. So I know there are people who have homemade whelping boxes using plywood and two by four and all the rest of it. In and of itself, that's not a horrendous thing. The only thing that I'm gonna tell you with that is that you number one must seal the wood because if you use that whelping box, multiple series of litters, you have the ability to have contagions that you cannot disinfect from raw wood. You need to seal that. If you're going to use a wooden sort of homemade box, strongly recommend that you look at materials that include the type of wood that you would make like a kitchen counter out of. I can't remember the name of it, but you know what I'm saying. Solid, coated over a top of maybe a plywood or something like that. Do not use an unsealed wooden box. You will keep bugs in there that will not be good. Okay, so that's number one. And number two, size, the ability to disinfect, Three then is the ability at some point for the bitch to leave. If you are not using a swimming pool, if you're using a hard-sided box, you must have what we call pig bells. So those are about two inches wide and they stick out about two inches above the floor for about two inches out into the center. And it's a place where puppies can get kind of shoved so that mom doesn't lie down on top of them and squish them. Some bitches are great. Yes. Thank you, Stacey. Laminated wood, (laughs) the type of thing that you'd use in shelving or kitchen counters or something like that. Pig rails will help keep your bitch from stepping on or lying on her puppies. So that's super important. Next up is our strong recommendation that wherever you are placing your whelping box, First of all, keep in mind that your whelping box should not be in a high-traffic area, particularly for the actual whelping. Bitches do not want to have their puppies with an audience of 20. They just don't. They would like to be in a dark, cave-like environment. Lay a sheet over the top of X-Pens around the whelping box. Put it in a corner. Put it in a separate room. Make sure that the room itself The ambient temperature of the room itself should be about 70 degrees. The whelping box in where the actual puppies are needs to be at least, at least 90 degrees. Puppies cannot maintain their body temperature for minimum the first two weeks. They have to have a way to go to a warm spot and away from the warm spot. Mom is close enough to warm enough, but she isn't always there. So they have to have a place that they can go and room to go in and out. That's why enough room in your whelping box is so important. Puppies are like heat-seeking missiles. They will find the heat or find away from the heat. They will find the food or away from the food. That's about the sum total of their abilities for the first 10 days. Find heat, find cool, find mom, go to sleep. That's what they do. They're potatoes. So we have found one thing to be super effective is you go to any hardware store, whatever you have in your area, find a piece of linoleum, cheap, garbage linoleum, cut to the dimensions of what will be your puppy area so that you can protect your floors. I use tarps for a lot of years. They're terrible, they get torn up. They may be cheaper, but they're not a great solution. The linoleum is an amazing solution. You keep it rolled up, you lay it out when it's time to get your puppy whelping area ready. Lay your linoleum down, put your whelping box on top of that. Make sure that your linoleum is large enough that it has got room for the whelping box and, an additional area where the puppies will be able to go out and potty when they get older, where they're still in their area but away from their sleeping area. The next thing that you're going to want to have in your whelping list is whelping mats. We love the easy whelp mats. Okay, so the biggest and most important thing that recent research has shown us is that baby, baby, baby baby puppies from birth, from literally 12 hours, two hours, however many hours, they need traction. And so it can be a challenge and you're going to do a lot of laundry for those first few puppies as mom's whelping out the litter of, oh my God, 14 puppies, right? But you've got to have traction underneath those nursing puppies. So the whelping mats are great. They'll absorb a lot of moisture. They'll pull it away from the puppies and they'll still give them traction. Incontinence pads are something that we use underneath something with more traction to help absorb moisture. So these are the same type of things that people have in hospital beds. I mean, you can buy them by a two dozen pack on Amazon. One of our goals for the whelping list is to be able to provide you with actual links with affiliate lists. We just didn't get that done before today, but we did get the list. So I'm saying, (laughs) okay, towels we've written here tea towels, but basically small hand towels that as the puppy is whelped, as that puppy comes out in a gush of afterbirth and goo, you can grab it with a dry towel and you can take that puppy, break the sack, get the puppy dried off, clamp off the umbilical cord, get the lungs cleared, get the nose cleared, do all of those things. And that's what those tea towels are for. You're going to need Six times the number of puppies that you expect. I'm not exaggerating. I know you think I'm crazy, but our stack of whelping towels is huge. So saying a digital thermometer. Okay. So we know that we want the temperature of the room to be about 70, but we need the area where the puppies are to be much, much warmer than that. So we want to have a thermometer that goes there. We also wanna be able to take a puppy's temperature or mom's temperature or whatever. So we're gonna have different types of thermometers. We're gonna have a dog thermometer, we're gonna have a thermometer to test the air temperature. Knowing the temperature is absolutely vital. If you've listened to any of the podcasts that we've done with Dr. Marty Greer, or any of the other people that we've talked to over the years, keeping puppies warm and dry, warm, dry, and hydrated. Those are the three things that will keep puppies alive. They don't necessarily have to nurse, they don't have to do this, they don't have to do that. They have to be warm enough and they have to be dry and they have to be hydrated, okay? Larissa asks if the temperature is modified at all for Northern breeds. I keep the rim temperature a little bit lower for those moms. I make sure that they have a way to be away from the heating pads or whelping nests that we use for the puppies but no matter what, those puppies still cannot maintain their own body temperature and Northern breeds or anybody else, those puppies have got to be at 90 plus degrees. Average dog temperature is 101.2. If your puppy gets below 90 degrees, it will freeze to death and it will die. So you have got to have a place that those puppies can be warm enough, whether it's up against mom, up against mom, and then a heating pad. It doesn't matter if it's a northern breed or not. I do make allowances for a lot of bitches that don't like to be hot. Keep your room temperature, you know, maybe it's down to 68, but so long as the temperature in the box where the puppies actually physically are is warm enough to keep their body temperature stabilized, then it should be okay. Vet fleece, Stacy added another super amazing thing included in your whelping mats, your incontinence pads, all of that. So then heating pads. Here's another one. This is a big thing. Okay. So first I have to tell you a story because you guys know I can't not tell you a story. My family's been breeding dogs for a super, 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 super long time. And we didn't know a lot of these things. And so my mother, God rest her soul. Until the day she died, until the very last litter she had, she was also super, super, super economical. We'll just call it that. And so her puppy whelping bedding was dog food bags that she'd cut down the middle in case she could peel off layers of them. It doesn't apply to what we think of today, the Purina bags, they're all plastic, but she was accustomed to... Paper, layers of paper bags. And instead of newspaper, she used cut up dog food bags. And that type of newspaper, cardboard, paper bags, any of those things absolutely are devastating your puppy's health and well being as they grow up. We have research, we have science on this. They must have traction please, 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 please use towels, use something other than newspaper, even in the whelping phase. Jill, Jill writes that you need three to four times more puppy pads than you think you need. Lesson learned. 100%, 100%. Stacy and I were putting this list together and she said towels. And I said, 10 times more towels (laughs) you will go through all the towels you had and all the towels you thought you had and all your people towels. And you're like, Oh my God, I still need more towels, right? Towels go to the Goodwill, spend $5 for a bundle of crappy towels. Doesn't matter. You're going to wash the hell out of them and throw them away. Don't spend a billion dollars on towels, but use towels as bedding, Make sure that the puppies cannot get stuck underneath the towels. Be careful about the bedding as the puppies are newborns. And as they get older, be careful that they cannot get stuck underneath or in and amongst that bedding. And mom doesn't see them when she goes to lay down. I know everybody does not have the luxury that I have created for myself in whelping my litters. I never had to leave when my litters were infants. I refused. I set up my life in such a way that I only bred bitches when I knew I was going to be home for essentially the full, at least the first four weeks. And for the first three weeks, I barely bathe. I know it's a little frightening, but that's a fact. I spend all my time with my puppies. I watch them like hawks. I do not give them the opportunity to have a problem. Now, I'm going to say Not everybody can do that. I recognize and understand that. But what I am gonna say is make sure that as you lay out your bedding in the whelping box for the puppies with mom, whether you're there or not, that they are smooth, they are laid out flat, that there's really nothing that encourages the puppies to get stuck under some of the bedding because that's when you can have a problem with mom laying on somebody. Yep, John Tay, Home Depot Painter's Rags, they're not as much traction, as I would like, but they're better than nothing and they're great for the rubbing dry, 100%. Yeah, 16 washable incontinence pads. I'm not entirely sure it's only 16, Stacey. I think it's probably 20, Uh, (laughs) but I'm saying. Heating pads. So we're back to some of the things that we used to do that we don't do anymore. Heat lamps used to be a thing. When I was a kid, all the litters we raised, most of the first half of the litters that I raised we had heat lamps and you put an X-pen around the whelping box, you clamped the heat lamp to the top and shone it down on the puppies. And I think the thing that is important to understand is that there have been innumerable house fires, kennel fires, all the kind of things that can happen when a bitch pulls a heat lamp down. There can be a lot of tragedy that goes with that. Number one. Number two, it doesn't provide as good an opportunity for the mom to get away from the puppies as we would like. And number three, it is dehydrating them. The heat lamp heats up the air around the puppy and it's dehydrating. So our goal is that these puppies are hydrated, not dehydrated. And so we use either heating pads covered up with the cores way away from mom, or the whelping nest, if you have a bitch that's able to chew or you're not going to be able to supervise what's going on, they they make the hard plastic whelping nests that are a heating unit covered in hard plastic with a metal coil around the cord that you take and you run through the X-pen away from the whelping box so that mom can't chew on that so that there can be no electrocution concerns or fire concerns or all of those things. And you set one half of your whelping box to puppies, extra bedding. That's where the heating pads are. And you set the other side of your whelping box to not puppies, where mom can go lie down when she needs a break, if she's too hot, what have you. And if the puppies go to her side of the box, they have her body temperature. So think about wild dogs. Think about dogs in a den. The only thing that keeps them warm enough is mom. And so we have that potential for our bitches. As long as we keep our ambient temperature at a reasonable level, as long as we keep a space of the whelping box that does not have underlying heating elements, then generally speaking, this is going to be the way that we have found to be the most successful for this. Hang tight guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion loves helping pets get the care they need. That's why they're excited to announce that they've officially paid out over 2 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars in veterinary claims. That's 2 billion reasons for more tail wags and treats. That's 730,000 pets that got the care they needed. Trupanion would like to thank all of the owners and breeders who've trusted them over the last 22 years. If you're part of the Trupanion Breeder Support Program, don't forget to register your upcoming litters for their Go Home Day offers. That way you can send them home protected by Trupanion's world-class coverage. If you're not part of the program yet... It's completely free to join and lets you send your litters home with an offer for a full Trupanion insurance policy that waives the waiting periods. To learn more and to sign up, just visit my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Okay, now another trick I always had Literally, the produce scale that I got from my mom, it probably dated to 1968 when I was born. Truly, that was what I weighed my puppies on for decades. I'd put a box on top of that and the puppy in that. It was quite a production. Stacy actually is the one who introduced me to the concept of a luggage scale. Oh my God, genius. You pick the bag up with the puppy in it and it tells you how much the puppy weighs wait, what? Yeah. Amazing. You can use a special cotton bag. Not going to lie to you. I use grocery bags. I mean, you know, whatever you got on hand, but you put the puppy in a bag of some shape, form, or fashion. You weigh it on the luggage scale and you can weigh your puppies, which I'm going to make a note now. Weigh your puppies every day for the first I do about 10 days, as long as everybody's gaining. I don't weigh them daily after that. If you have a toy breed or a litter that's struggling or any of those types of things, weigh your puppies twice a day, morning and evening. You have got to know that those puppies are gaining weight. And the only way you're going to know that is if you weigh them. I know you think you can tell, oh no, it's ribs are showing. Oh no, I can't see its ribs. No weigh the puppy. I promise you, I've been doing this a very long time. Puppies can get going sideways, and the only way you're going to know is if you're paying attention to the weights. Give them more food, give them less food if they're gaining too much. I mean, you know, there's a high class problem. You know, give somebody extra time on the nipple or a head start or pull all the big ones off and put the little one on, whatever it is. You can manage that, but only if you know how much they weigh. And if they're gaining or not gaining and how much they're gaining and how much they're gaining in relation to the rest of the puppies. Weigh your puppies every day. Okay. (laughs) Stacy says small trash can. I think that's funny. Giant trash can, many liners. Having puppies is messy. I don't care how good your mama dog is. Having puppies is gross and messy. And there's going to be a lot of gross things that you need to throw away. And so you should have a big trash can, not a small trash can. Maybe you want to start with a small one and move to a big one. I don't care. And yes, I weigh them exactly at birth or as very close as I can get to at birth. After they've eaten doesn't do me any good. I want to know what they are at birth. So my process is puppy comes out. I pull them, I break the sack, we daily suction, we get everything cleaned out. We get them breathing and screaming. We've clamped the cord. We've dried and dried and dried and dried and dried before they go on to nurse with mom, they go on the scale. That's my process. Everybody has a system. That's a system that works for me for what it's worth. Okay. A laundry basket, (laughs) you know, you can just throw stuff in the corner, but I promise you a laundry basket will make your life easier because then you don't have to gather all that gross stuff up in your arms to take it to the laundry. I will tell you, I am not just today years old, but only a few years less than today years old. When I finally managed to acquire a laundry system for dog laundry that wasn't for people laundry... I spent an awful lot of years washing gross dog stuff in the same machines that I wash my clothes in because I'm going to tell you when you're whelping puppies, you ain't got time to be running to a laundromat. That's not a thing. So, in the wonderful scheme of things for you to aim for as a grown up dog person, I am a grown up dog person when I have a separate washer and dryer for my dog laundry. I'm just going to tell you. And that took me until I was pretty close to 50. So, I'm saying. Paper towels, a hundred billion rolls of paper towels, hand sanitizer, all the stuff. I mentioned the thermometers take mom's temperature, take puppy's temperature. If you've got a problem, indoor outdoor thermometer, so that you can put something down by where the heating pads are. So you know what the temperature actually is in the box separate from whatever you have the thermostat set to for the ambient temperature in the room. Lots and lots and lots and lots of towels. I mentioned that go to Goodwill, get a bunch of towels. Now, the daily suction catheter with a mucus trap. I'm gonna tell you again. I am very old school. I've been doing this a very long time. I go all the way back to the shake the puppy, don't shake the puppy. Do not swing the puppy. I've been reeducated. I've been to reeducation school. Do not swing the puppy to clear the lungs. Okay, the shaken baby thing that goes on with that. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> The bulb syringes that we used, that we found in complete in years past, all of that has been replaced by this Dealey suction catheter. If you have not actually seen this in use, you must, 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 must find it. I personally can't use it. I make Stacey or somebody else do it because I'll throw up, but basically you have two tubes, one in your mouth, one in the puppy's mouth. You suck. It sucks the stuff out of the puppy's lungs and it goes into this trap. It doesn't actually go into your mouth, but I can't convince myself of that. So I can't use it, but it is amazing. Okay. Cindy Wright asks about seed mats. Seed mats are something I know a lot of people have used for traction in the whelping boxes. Haven't used them. I've heard great things about them. A food weigh scale works, Katrina, 100%. Anything that you can get an accurate measurement and two small ounces, right? So My puppies are born anywhere from 14 to 16 ounces, but if you're talking about toy breeds or some of the smaller breeds, you can be talking about a puppy that's two ounces or three ounces or four ounces. So you need something that weighs really light. Okay, so that answers questions. Oh, oh, Larissa, do tell. Find me a link and drop it here because I need to know about that. (laughs) Larissa says there's an automatic daily catheter. All right, so now the next thing you need to have on this list that we're talking about, dull scissors. It's important that if we're going to manage the puppies instead of mom, now so many people are going to let mom do all the umbilical cord and clean the placenta and do all that stuff. We don't do that. We do that ourselves. We pull the puppy, we get the placenta, we get the sack off, we cut the cords, we get puppy clean before it goes to mom clean and dry as best we can before it goes to mom. So if that's going to be your process, dull scissors, please do not use sharp scissors on your umbilical cords. When mom cuts it, that's not a sharp scissor, right? That's like a tearing motion. So I use super dull scissors. And then I personally keep one of the mosquito hemostats, right? The clamps that you see in surgery that you can clamp the handle and it stays and it will staunch the blood flow. Other people that I know use dental floss to tie off the stump, whatever it is that's going to be your process, know what it is, be prepared for it, have all the stuff handy. Make sure that as we're talking about cleaning umbilical stumps, have chlorhexidine is my personal favorite. Some people use iodine. You need to spray or dip the end of the umbilical cord in a disinfectant. Make sure that that's going to stay clean so you don't get any infection going up through the umbilicus keep vaseline ky jelly any kind of lubricant have surgical gloves if you've got a stuck puppy and you've got to get up in there and help the puppy out you're gonna be a lot happier if you've got some lubricant and some gloves i can tell you the story the last litter of wire hair pointers that we actually whelped here was 13, and two of them were very stuck. It was in the middle of the pandemic. It took a billion hours. She started at like eight o'clock in the morning and went until about one o'clock the following morning. And my dearly beloved friend, Rachel, who is a vet tech, was up to her elbow, I swear to you, in this poor dog trying to get these dogs unstuck. So lubricant, gloves, all the things that you can do will make everybody's life happier. Puppy collars, if you're going to use them, Wire hair pointers, we have identifiable spots at birth. I've never used puppy collars. Mom used either magic marker or fingernail polish to mark the labs and the clumber spaniels. So I had never used puppy collars until the Spinoni. I still find them annoying, but you have to have a way to identify the puppies if you don't have good markings. So choose your solution, choose the way you're going to go and stick with it that and anything chlorhex is amazing i use it on everything from ears to teeth to cleaning up mom to cleaning up puppies i haven't seen the lube but that sounds amazing as well so the other thing that you're going to need is what i think of as sort of like a baby incubator so i've used everything from an extra laundry basket to a cardboard box <laughs> to anything so that you have a containment for the puppies because if you're going to have more than a couple mom is going to be working to push out a puppy and you need to move the ones that have been whelped already out of the way so she doesn't accidentally squish somebody while she's working on another puppy and so when i see a bitch start to work on a new puppy i pull the 3 6 10 however many are there put them in their own little incubator box it has a heating pad on low, on the bottom, and then a couple layers of towels. And then I put another towel draped over the top of whatever the container is. Like I said, cardboard box, laundry basket, whatever you have. Half a crate works, anything like that. That way the puppies can be safe while you're either whelping new puppies, cleaning the box, taking mom for a walk, whatever it is. (laughs) Again, Stacy loves a headlamp. Everybody loves a good headlamp, right? It is such an actual fashion statement, I'm saying. But (laughs) if you have a bitch that's whelping and it's dark, it's nighttime out, and she's going to want to go out and go potty, she may very well pass a puppy while she's out doing her business. And if it's dark out, you have to be able to see what's actually going on. Your bitches should only be walked on leash while they're in the whelping process don't just turn them loose because if they have a puppy out there you're not gonna know walk them on a leash have a headlamp have a lantern have a flashlight have a whatever take a towel with you every time you go out we had a spinoni puppy in one of our litters that was whelped outside and came in with a leaf stuck on her head autumn that was her name I can remember my mom whelping a litter of wire hairs and she was absolutely insistent that the puppy that was whelped outside walked back to the house after his mom's, (laughs) you know, it's a thing. So calcium, calcium is so incredibly important. Absolutely unbelievably critical. Listen to me, no calcium, zero, no food that contains calcium. No calcium before the first puppy is whelped. After the first puppy, push the calcium. I don't know that there is such a thing as an overdose on calcium. Truly, in the middle of this situation, we use CalSorb, a similar type of thing. If we're whelping ten puppies, we can go through four or five tubes of the CalSorb after the first puppy whelps and over the first. Anywhere from seven to 10 days. Honestly, you can use calcium in a tube. We have used and had great results with it's called Viactive Calcium Chews. They really like the caramel flavor, whatever. And they think of them, they're like candy, like dog treats. Have some Pedialyte on hand for the mom because she's working hard. She maybe isn't going to want to drink much. You may have to syringe it. You know how to syringe fluids into your dog? If you don't, you need to. There's a little pouch, right? Pull the pouch to the side. You can put syringe liquid into the pouch and it will go down their throat without choking them. If you syringe liquid straight down their throat, they'll choke on it. So pull out the pouch on the side of the dog's mouth, syringe into the side of the mouth. Okay. We're getting pushy here. Some extra things that people should have on hand fresh frozen plasma, FFP. I went through the litter from hell a few years ago. I mean, from hell, nobody counts on having the litter from hell. I did. I had a bitch that ate a toy. She had to have a uh, blockage surgery and a two days premature C-section at the same time. By the time she was functional enough, the puppies were too old. She wouldn't accept them. I hand-raised, bottle-raised, The litter started out as eight. We lost a couple of our hair pointers and fresh frozen plasma literally saved their lives because we honestly couldn't even get colostrum in most of these puppies. So fresh frozen plasma, you can buy it from Gene Dodds. You can have your vet draw blood on dogs and spin it down for you. There's lots and lots of ways you can do this, but have fresh frozen plasma in test tubes in your freezer. Just do it. It is the difference quite literally between life and death. It can be given orally in the first 12 hours. Stacy, correct me if I'm wrong. It can also be given subcutaneously up to, I believe, another 36 hours after that, maybe 48. I don't quite remember. Mother's milk replacement. So have some whatever, if you want, go to LAC or as Black or whatever you want to have. Have some good milk replacer on hand in case of emergency big syringes, right? The big round honkin ones, so that you can syringe Pedialyte or water, whatever you need. I also will sometimes use low sodium broth, like chicken broth that has a little bit of protein to it. Keep a small gauge needle on a syringe and there is an acupuncture point right at the base of the puppy's nose, right where that line is, right at the base, right there in the cartilage that is an acupuncture point that will make a puppy take a breath if they're not breathing. We've had that be successful. Keep a feeding tube kit on hand. If you don't know how to use a feeding tube, learn how to use a feeding tube because just when you think you're never gonna need it, you might need it. Bottles. We have a million baby bottles, different nipples. If you've got a large litter, you may have to supplement or you could have a situation like I had where I had to bottle feed every puppy. I've had other litters. My very, very, very first litter that I had, the bitch had to have a C-section. She had 11 puppies and she never really got milk. And so I had to supplement all 11 puppies and I didn't sleep for 72 hours. (laughs) I was a lot younger then. I'm too old for that now. Oh, good. So there's a YouTube tutorial. There's a couple of them. Dr. Greer's got an amazing tutorial on Revival's channel. You can always also check that out. The other thing that I would say, if you have not learned how to give sub-Q fluids yet, you need to learn, have your vet teach you. It's not very difficult. It's just like giving a vaccine. You need to have a large gauge needle. You need to have a sterile bag of saline and you need to know how to give your puppies sub-Q fluids. In closing, the most exciting thing that I have done for you guys in like ages, I have been promising this and I finally got this done, albums. So we know that there's 575 flipping podcasts and nobody can ever find anything they want. And so I have done all the work for you and I have organized all of these episodes into different albums for you guys. And at the low introductory price to pay for my time and effort, you guys can go find for $1.99, all of the episodes on this exact topic. The album is breeding and whelping hands-on. You can find episodes on events and sports episodes on love the breeds, every single one of the breed specific episodes. Give that as a present to your friends and family looking for a dog. An episode that's all of our interviews specifically with owner handlers. If you need a little pick-me-up. There is an album called Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. That's more of the theory stuff. And P.S. that's going to be another project down the road is the university course process. But just bear with me. That's still coming. There's an album on the interviews. All the famous and amazing people that we've talked to over the course of the last six years. There's an album on Up Your Game, how to be more successful in the show ring. And there is an entire album, Marty, dedicated to veterinary voices. All of the interviews in the last five or six years that I've done with Dr. Marty Greer. Temporary low introductory price, $1.99. Seriously, I spent all of my time to go and put these things into groups for you Please go buy them. Tell your friends. It's an amazing, amazing thing. I will be doing more albums as we go forward. If you have a specific topic. Yes, Marty, seriously. There's an entire album for $1.99 of every single one of all of the interviews you and I have done. Seriously. It is an absolute freaking steal. So if anybody else has an idea for an album that you would like to have, drop me a line. Shout out. All right. So thank you guys. As always, thank you so much for joining us. We absolutely love you. We love having you here. And we are so thrilled that you are part of our Pure Dog Talk family. Have a great night. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendent's Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk.